The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is our Wednesday edition of the Leach Report, coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio here in Lexington after a uh, just a brutal night for the Wildcats at Rupp Arena. We'll talk about it today. Chris Fisher from the Cats Paws and Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com will join us uh, here on the show. We'll go right into the Wildcat news of the day, an 85-65 Alabama win at Rupp Arena. Kentucky falls to four and seven. First league loss for the Wildcats. Alabama, meanwhile, goes to four and zero in conference play. For Kentucky, it was its worst home court loss since December of 1988, and it was the worst loss to an Alabama team on Kentucky's home court since a game at Memorial Coliseum in February of 1974. So those are are never good times when you're looking up stats like that. Uh, This was, you know, it looked like December Kentucky. They shot 34% from the field. They had 19 turnovers to 7 assists uh, on 2-point shots. They had trouble finishing around the basket on one hand, shot 40% on twos, actually just under 40%. And then they also had time just had trouble just delivering the ball to the post to get a shot. Uh, guys would pop open, wouldn't get the ball on time. Uh, the pass would guy would post, have you know have his guy sealed, and the pass would be so far away from him that he'd have to to release and go get the ball. Um, there were uh, times where it was to the it wasn't uh, away from the defense, and um, it was just. Uh, a, Poor performance all the way around. Calipari said not one player played well. Uh, Bama, 14 of 30 at the three-point line. When you have a a gap of of 10 baskets on threes, so that's 42 three-pointers, 42 points off threes for Alabama to 12 for uh, Kentucky. So that's (laughs) – or. that that's what's going to uh, lead you to a blowout more often than not. Now the the thing is, why did you have that disparity? Why couldn't you uh, guard uh, better? Uh, Kentucky just really struggled to contain Alabama's guards off the dribble, so drives and kicks. And Saturday they're going to face an Auburn team that uh, just got Sharif Cooper eligible last Saturday against Alabama. And from watching him in that game, you know he might make the Alabama guys look a little slow. Uh, wow, was he fast? Made some bad decisions, but uh, incredible passes. So um, he will be even more of a challenge to stay in front of for Kentucky. And it's another team that relies heavily on the three-point shot. So um, you hope Calipari said after the game he may not even go back and look at this tape that he hopes it's. Um, I forget what the phrase was he used, but a, a one-off maybe. If you uh, are a thoroughbred racing fan and you uh, play the races, there's a 
phrase called uh, throwout race. Just a uh, horse runs so badly that it makes no sense. And so you you don't really have a reason for it, so you just forget it like it didn't happen and enter the horse right back in the same type of race the next time. And sometimes it happens that, uh, you know, it was just one of those days, and other times um, the horse uh, doesn't get back to the level that it previously was. So we'll see with the Wildcats, who looked so good on Saturday at Florida. You did have the passing of, of a former teammate in uh, Ben Jordan uh, that – uh, could have had an impact on them, certainly. Um, and this was a, a team that I watched them go through their shoot-around yesterday. And usually, not always a correlation between you know the good shoot-arounds and the good games, but uh, more often than not, it is. And I thought they were really uh, sharp in watching them go through their shoot-around yesterday. And then to see them play it the way that they did, it, uh, the, they, those two don't match up. So uh, maybe it's just that bad of a matchup, or um, maybe Kentucky will, will bounce back on Saturday. Uh, we'll talk about that as we move through the show today. On the scoreboard last night, uh, Florida beat Ole Miss 72-63. to uh, The Gators had a couple players. I know Scotty Lewis was one of them. I'm not sure. I can't remember who the other was that were out because of COVID. So Florida was shorthanded and uh, rallied late. Uh, Ole Miss, I think, was scoreless in the last four minutes of the game and lost a lead. So Florida won there. And then uh, in the uh, top 25, you had Kansas losing at Oklahoma State, 75-70, to a top-10 team. Uh, Virginia Tech beat Duke, 74-67. to Both of those teams were ranked. And then you had two top-10 teams in the Big Ten, and Michigan beat Wisconsin 77 to 54, and it wasn't that close. They were up almost 40 at uh, one point. So you know, you have a Wisconsin team that uh, beats Louisville by a uh, you know was up 40 at one point on Louisville, I think, and now Wisconsin then turns around and is about 40 down at one point to Michigan. Uh, links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Chris Fisher the Cat's Paws will join us, and then Kyle Tucker from The Athletic. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Chris Fisher from CatsPaws.com who will make sense of what we all saw last night at <laughs> Rupp Arena. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a tough one. Um, you know, it, progress is very rarely linear. Uh, it's You're not just going to go up, up, up. At times you're going to uh, have setbacks, and, and obviously last night was a, a clear step back for a Kentucky team that had been, you know, playing really well uh, to to start its SEC schedule. Yeah, they. Uh, I was just saying they looked so good on Friday and so bad uh, last night that uh, you know Cal said he uh, hopes that it's just a game that they'll get you know down the road and look back and think that was just you know one of those those nights so uh we'll we'll get a test of that i think in that auburn is a similar type of team uh you know guard oriented and uh shoot a lot of threes and uh, and cooper a hard guard to stay in front of yeah i would agree they had a really close game uh at auburn 
last weekend Alabama was able to to pull that out in in the closing minutes and and yeah you can't it's hard to look at that game as anything other than reverting back to you know what got them to this point not valuing the basketball I would imagine uh, they'll spend a lot of time in practice this week on entry post passes uh, really had trouble you could tell the game plan was to pound the ball inside Kentucky had a size advantage with Olivier Saar and, and even Keon Brooks and they just were not able to uh, to get the ball inside and, and on the other end really had trouble containing Alabama off the bounce and that led to a lot of open layups and a lot of open threes and, and Alabama definitely uh, definitely made them pay yeah, the uh, previous game against Alabama last year, Kentucky defended the three well, and uh, Bama was like four of, of 21, and they had four by, you know, just a few minutes into the game last night. And on the offensive end, as you said, Kentucky was trying to go inside, but it was just, I mean, they could, they struggled to just even deliver the ball to the post, uh, much less to, to make the shot once it got there. Yeah, and I think, you know, that was one of the big concerns about this Kentucky team coming into the season. You had a lot a lot of size and a lot of length, but you didn't have a lot of strength. And uh, it seems as though Olivier Saar especially has trouble holding his position and, um, you know, has a tendency to get pushed off the block and, you know, starts his, his, his post up further out on the floor than he would like to and, I noticed a couple times the spacing last night was was really really bad. There were a couple turnovers where you know a Kentucky player was throwing a pass literally two feet away from him uh, to another player and getting it stolen. And so um, you know those are things that I'm sure John Calipari will will try to clean up in, in practice this week. Uh, we'll come back to this uh, game in a minute, but I, I want to talk to you also a little bit about a guy that certainly uh, won't lack for. Uh, you know, uh, bulk, thickness, etc. when he gets eligible next season is the kid that's transferring in from West Virginia, Oscar Shubway. And um, I'm sure you've covered him as he's come up through the, the high school ranks. Uh, he uh, maybe, assuming he's you know able to, to get in, get eligible uh, to start practicing here soon, he could even help him with that bulk in practice. Yeah, he'll definitely uh, be an asset to the team this season, even though uh, he won't be eligible to, to play. He'll definitely challenge uh, Kentucky's front court guys in practice every day. He's 6'9 or 6'10 and a really solid 260 pounds. He looks like he was uh, chiseled out of, out of granite. And he's a guy that Kentucky really, really wanted out of high school. And the prevailing wisdom was that West Virginia was the team to beat. And I think Kentucky was able to make it really, really close. But uh, West Virginia won out at the end of the day. And uh, they get uh, a second crack at him, and uh, and he picks Kentucky this time around. And so uh, really excited about what, uh, what he is and what he can be. He's still far from a finished product, but he's a guy that as a, a freshman was second team all Big 12 and averaged nearly a, uh, a double-double, so there's no reason to think uh, that he wouldn't be able to do that as a, a junior at Kentucky next season. 
Chat with Chris Fisher from catspaws.com. Uh, if you go to the, the website, uh, he has a story up about uh, Wandale Robinson, and we're going to talk about that when we come right back. Here on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. Chatting with Chris Fisher from catspaws.com on Twitter. It's at Chris Fisher 24 uh, 7. One of his stories up at the Catspaws site has to do with one Neil Robinson who uh, tweeted yesterday talking about his decision to leave Nebraska, right? Yeah, he had a, a lengthy post on, on Twitter explaining his decision to leave Nebraska after two seasons. And I think there's a lot of parallels between uh, Oscar Sheboy and, and Juan Dale Robinson, both guys at Kentucky had a really good shot at. Obviously, Wanda Robinson was committed to Kentucky for a little over a month before flipping to Nebraska, but a guy that Kentucky wants really, really badly the, the second time around. And I would think they have a very, very good shot. He said he wants to, to move closer to home and help out with his mom who contracted COVID and, you know, also dealing with multiple sclerosis and, um, I would think that would, would bode well for Kentucky, but also, you know, had some comments about, um, you know, some gripes about how he was used at Nebraska. You know, he wanted to be more of a wide receiver, uh, but they were forced to use him kind of as a, a jack of all trades, doing a little bit of everything. And um, so the fact that Kentucky is bringing in Liam Cohen, who uh, wants to institute more of a, a downfield passing attack, I think also bodes really, really well for, for Kentucky. So it sounds like from um, what I've read of, of the part about the uh, his how he was used, he doesn't really want to be uh, you know a uh, a Lynn Bowden type maybe in terms of uh, you know running the ball a lot like uh, Bowden did when he uh, certainly moved to quarterback, but he wants to be you know a guy that's going to catch sixty seventy balls. Yeah, he understands that his future in the NFL is as a wide receiver, and uh, that's really. You know what he wants to uh, to hone in on, and like I said, I think Nebraska was in a pinch and was forced to to use him all you know different kinds of ways because he was such a productive player with the ball in his hands, whether it was at wide receiver, running back, returning kicks, and so um, I would imagine Kentucky would uh, would focus him at, at wide receiver. And I mean, you're talking about a guy that's instant impact from day one, two time Paul Horning Award finalist, two time honorable mention All Big Ten. Uh, and probably assuming that, that Chris Rodriguez returns next season, probably neck and neck with Chris Rodriguez as Kentucky's best offensive player. Hearing anything about the Rodriguez decision? That's, I guess, the only one we're waiting on, right? Yeah, I haven't uh, heard anything on that. It, it's it's interesting. It's kind of been eerily quiet. You know, all those guys, you had the flood of announcements uh following the bowl game of, of guys announcing that they were coming back. And then you had the Jamin Davis decision that came a little bit later on. And so um, it is kind of interesting that, you know, he's still waiting on making an announcement. Maybe he's still waiting on the feedback from the NFL possibly. But uh, he's a guy, obviously, that uh, Liam Cohen would, would center his, his offense around next season. Talking with Chris Fisher from catspaws.com. Uh, back to last night's basketball game. John Petty uh, was sensational for Alabama. Had uh, 
23 points, four three-pointers. And uh, it came down to Kentucky and Alabama and his recruitment. There was a time when Kentucky thought they were going to get him, right? Yeah, I think Kentucky was viewed as the leader for him um, pretty much throughout his recruitment. And then Alabama was able to uh, to sell him on, on staying home. I believe Avery Johnson was the head coach at the time and uh, a guy that, uh, that John Calipari – uh, really wanted it's it's almost it's hard to believe that he's still in college i guess you know may, i guess that's how they do it at other schools guys tend to stick around <laughs> a little bit longer whereas at kentucky guys leaving after a year or two it seems you know it makes it seem like guys that are that are seniors have been there for uh for the better part of a decade this is something I, I do think Kentucky fights a little bit where you know uh, john petty at alabama staying around isn't viewed as uh maybe a, a negative uh in in stories about him as maybe it would be if he came to Kentucky and was still around after three or four years and I guarantee you the coaches would would love to have a guy like that you know in his third year like Nick Richards was but uh, it's sometimes I guess maybe uh, tough on the player and the people around them. Yeah, and that's you know that's something I've said before. It's it's kind of an unintended consequence of the way John Calipari does things and and the the roster turnover that he faces from year to year you know, in a way he's a victim of his own success guys have you know they go on to the nba so quickly that the guys that are left behind are almost viewed as a as a not viewed as a failure but you know maybe their own self perception uh is that you know they're a failure they didn't achieve what they wanted to and then you also have the dynamic where you know you bring in a four or five man recruiting class and four of those guys leave after year one and then the guy that's left behind you know is kind of looking around and and isn't seeing very many familiar faces and then you have a number one recruiting class coming in behind you so i think sometimes it's just easier to um to depart and and look for for greener pastures elsewhere very true chris thank you we'll talk next week all right, thanks. Al Tucker from The Athletic is uh, coming up next. Uh, thanks to one of our listeners, uh, Bert, who reached out. He was uh, a little concerned, and I appreciate, uh, told him I appreciated the concern. He said, uh, it seemed like you I hear you cough a few times during the show. And uh, the, what I explained was when we're in the studio, um, we have cough button. Same thing on the on the basketball and football broadcast. I've uh, been here in this home studio for close to a year now, and uh, it doesn't have that. So... Uh, that's why sometimes you're trying to suppress kind of clearing your throat when you talk a lot and um, it uh, so anyway appreciate the concern for anybody that uh, is worried but all is well uh, we'll be right back with Kyle Tucker from the FO. it's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080 coming up next it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones from the Clark's Puppet Shop Studio, it's the second half of the Leach Report for this Wednesday. Back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Kyle Tucker joins us from TheAthletic.com. Goodness knows we have uh, plenty of uh, bad news to talk about after the basketball game. So let's start with some good news. Congrats on uh, being named Kentucky Sports Writer of the Year. Oh, thank you very much. That was a surprise. Very cool honor. Very, very, uh, everything I've heard. I think you've 
you've been to that before. Everybody says it's a really cool event too. So looking yeah, they uh, they do a really nice job. It's now the uh, it's changed its name over the years. Uh, it's now the National Sports Media Association, but uh, um, very uh, well deserved. Keith Farmer from LEX uh, on the uh, sportscaster side. Uh, all right, we have to talk about a little basketball from last night. Uh, I saw uh, a tweet Do from. We <laughs> well. Uh. Uh, I don't sing or dance, so we've got about a half hour to fill here. Um, Alan Cutler, who covered uh, more than a few Kentucky teams before his retirement from uh, LEX last year, says that, uh, uh, tweet out, common sense tells me to forget about the bad basketball played by UK last night. Uh, he said, I wondered if they were going to play after the highs and lows of their protest. They lose a teammate, Ben Jordan. Awful isn't strong enough. Um, that's a problem. Possibly, slash, probably somewhat of a contributing factor. What I said is, we'll get maybe a little, you know, read onto that into Saturday if they come out and play much better. Then maybe you look back and say, okay, maybe they were just in a in a weird place that night. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I mean, I I don't discount at all that it um, uh, had an impact. I mean, they they spent, um, you know, three days hearing. You know, they, I, one thing I would say, a, a lot of good. I, I saw. I think maybe even a surprising number of positive uh, comments and feedback uh, about their decision to kneel at the anthem, um, uh, even on Twitter, which is often a, a sewer. Um, but we know that they also saw some really negative, and there were some high-profile instances of really negative backlash, and not just from you know Joe Blow fan necessarily, but also you know elected government officials and uh, you know law enforcement people burning their gear. Um, that would that would rattle me, um, you know, and, and I and I found Calipari sort of backtracking on that a little bit to be interesting, but I also wonder if he isn't kind of trying to protect those guys, yeah, um, because this is a, a scary sort of environment right now, and, and you know, anymore if you disagree with somebody, they want to do you physical harm, uh, or at the very least, light your stuff on fire, which is absurd. So, you know, I think that definitely. Had to have impacted those guys in some way, and and you know how motivated are you to go out there and uh, you know lay it all on the line for Kentucky fans when you feel like there's a segment of them that hate your guts. Um, and then the other piece of it, yeah, I mean, uh, Ben passing away was a total shock. Um, he was not a guy that a lot of guys on this team knew uh, because there was just unprecedented turnover. They only had two guys back that were even on the roster, scholarship guys last year. Um, you know, but there's four or five guys that Calipari mentioned that are going to be going to the visitation who did know him. And, and they were part of the. Goal. They were walk-ons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that was their buddy. Um, you know, I know Riley Welsh was really close with him. Um, and you know, is he a, a contributor on this team? You know, on the on the court, no. But he's part of the team. He's with those guys every day, and he was hurting bad. You could see it all. Kind of hard, hard to watch. Sobbing. You know, really hard to watch during the moment of silence, and all of his teammates are over there giving him hugs, and that has to have some impact. Um, all of that said, uh, knowing that they did, they were playing with some things on their mind. Um, what happened last night was really, to me, uh, more just about roster construction and style of play. And, and Kentucky's just not built to play with a team like that. And uh, it, you know, it stood in stark contrast. You know, it, it certainly highlights what some Kentucky fans are frustrated about with you know way Kentucky approaches offense. There were times really stark when. They're playing. Alabama's playing. You know, four guards and playing five out. 
you know, coming up, jacking a shot every 13 seconds and making all these threes. And Kentucky's out there with a lineup that had three big men, uh, 6'9", Toppin, 6'10", Jackson, and 7'0", Sar, trying to counteract that. And their, their, their answer was to keep throwing it in the post and not very successfully. Um, I think it was a lot more about the basketball than anything else last night. Yeah, that was the the thing uh, beyond the extenuating circumstances. You could just look, if you didn't know any of that was going on and just watch the game, you'd say, well, this looks like the team we saw a lot in December. Too many turnovers, too few assists, and uh, troublemaking shots. Yeah, I mean, the the bottom line is I would guess on on any night that the other team hits 14 threes, um, Kentucky's probably going to have lost. Most teams are going Uh, to lose. What's that? Most teams are going to lose when the other team yeah, most, hits 14 yeah, threes. Yeah, most, most teams. Uh, most teams. But I would say, you know, they got blown out. You know, it was the worst home yeah. loss in 1988. Uh, you know, not just lose, they're going to get blown out because they're not, they're just, they're, unless Dante Allen is a 7 of 7 night, they're, they just don't have the roster and they don't play the style to be able to keep up in a shootout like that. Um, and so one, what you've got to do. <laughs> Is defend and, and they've been a really, I think, a really good defensive team, but they got really exposed in the way that you know Alabama went with the four guards, uh, spread the floor, drove them. You know, I think probably one of them really drive, did drive, and will drive Calipari crazy if he in fact watches the tape and doesn't burn it, as he said. Um, was just how the ease with which Alabama was just beating them off the dribble. It was layup, 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 and then down the stretch, you know, the three point the the uh, three-point barrage stopped, but then it was all three-point plays. I mean, there was one, one stretch when Kentucky was trying to make it a game, and it, they were trading and once, yeah. um, which is obviously not going to get it done. So um, I think some alarming stuff there on defense as well as offense for Kentucky. Yeah, the um, inability to, to stay in front of guys, and that's going to be, as I said earlier, e- even a greater challenge, at least with when it comes to a Cooper on Saturday for Auburn as fast as he is. Yes, and, and you know, we talk stylistically. I mean, you know, that's what Auburn does. It's what Auburn did to, to you know, really when when they went to the Final Four, they were a, a wide-open, run-and-gun team, and they uh, they did that to Kentucky in the Elite Eight. And, um, you know, they're, they're not as good of a team right now as, as any of those, those previous Auburn teams. A little bit of a step down, but they did just get – uh, Shreve Cooper, the McDonald's All-American, uh, finally eligible, and he made a huge debut there uh, right out of the gate. So he, he's going to challenge him for sure. He will be very difficult to keep in front. I know that. We chat with Kyle Tucker. Uh, again, get to a break and come back and uh, continue the visit. I uh, want to talk a little bit about a, a story uh, that uh, he did uh, within the last week about uh, Devin Askew, who uh, for a while looked like was going to be maybe a key part of a Kentucky win early in that game last night when he was playing so well early. We'll get to that when we come back. It's the Leach Report, Radio Network. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. On the line with us, Kyle Tucker via the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. You can read his work at TheAthletic.com. And uh, since we last talked here on this show, you uh, posted a story, I think this was last Friday, uh, before the big win at Florida on Devin Askew. And... um, talked to his his dad in there one of the interesting quotes that uh noted that uh, you can elaborate on from his dad was talking about and this is 
especially noteworthy, I think, in the wake of, uh, you know, criticism that comes after a poor game like, like last night. Kentucky fans are like Yankee fans. They're tough, but I respect it, was what his dad said. Yeah, you know, there were, there were a lot of, I thought, um, you know, smart thoughts in there, um, you know, level-headed thoughts from a parent you know, that you often don't hear from a guy that, you know, he was a highly recruited kid, and a lot of times th- those uh, guys and their families come in with a certain level of expectation about how it's going to go and maybe being catered to, but um, you know, it's not surprising to learn that they were uh, family friends with uh, P.J. Washington and Paul, his dad, Paul Washington, because uh, I-, I found Paul to be one of the most uh, sort of reasonable parents I've ever dealt with. Yeah, um, You know, he-, he had sort of the right attitude and kept, uh, I think, P.J. focused. I mean, uh, understood right away you know look if we're not at this if we're not at a certain you know level in the draft we're not just going to go to go and you know it's okay to be there a couple of years and you know it's okay to struggle and all those things um and you heard you know in talking to Devin's dad I, I heard a lot of the same kind of things and, you know one of the best quotes I've ever heard from a parent in that regard was him saying uh, to, just to paraphrase, I don't have it for, right in front of me, but basically, you know, it's not that my wife and I like to see him, you know, struggle or fail, that we enjoy it, but there's, but we watch and support him through that because there's a pride in seeing him dig himself out. Uh, he said there's a beauty in the struggle, and that, you know, you can't really ask for a, for more than that in terms of a, a parental attitude if you're, especially if you're John Calipari and those coaches. Um, you know, and he's impressed me by, the way he struggled early, um, and he was clearly overwhelmed by the situation. wasn't necessarily ready for it. Could still be in high school, um, but he just kind of got the, you know got benched as well, um, and just kind of went back to work and has made improvements. He wasn't wasn't great last night, but nobody for Kentucky was great last night, um, you know. And I think I think they certainly seem to have the right attitude about it. Yeah, I was impressed by the fact that he didn't didn't pout didn't complain on social media or something uh, didn't create any problems he just kind of accepted what uh, the move was when he they took the ball out of his hands and uh, took him out of the starting lineup and he just kept playing harder and uh trying to to learn and uh, so it's you know never going to be a, a steadily upward improvement curve it was a step back last night although he did get off to a really good start in the game uh yeah he scored eight points early but he's he's clearly uh you know i think he's in there for the calipari's talking about looking for guys that will fight i think uh Askew's one of the guys he'll be he'll find right at the top of that list yeah you know and another you know another thing he talks about is unpack your backs you know and and, and i think ask <clears throat> excuse me ask is one uh, who really has done that? Um, you know, they may have a couple other guys that have, haven't gotten there yet, but um, some, you know, who knows if this season is a lost season or not? Uh, it certainly doesn't. When you start, when you start one and six, you don't leave yourself a lot of leeway to let the, the losses pile up now. Um, but I would say, you know, if there's if there's a reason to kind of continue hoping for them, I think it's that they do have more guys who want to fight and and kind of. Um, put in the time and the work and, and dig themselves out of it than they do the other. You know, I think they may have a couple of those other situations, but, uh, you know, I don't, you worry at a time, excuse me, a time like this, a season like this, and the struggles like this, you know, that one one kind of bad apple will spoil the whole bunch, but you can also have it go the other way. And I think getting Keon back with the attitude he has and having Askew 
the attitude he has, and I feel like Mintz has that as well. I think they they've they've outnumbered any sort of like negativity that might creep into that locker room with positive guys that will keep working at it. Another story of yours at the Athletic has to do with uh, the newest member of the Kentucky basketball family, the West Virginia transfer Oscar Shibway, and um, we'll get you to uh, elaborate a little bit on, on what you found out about him, and also maybe to the stamp from the standpoint of um, you were talking earlier about um, you know what will be a talking point out of this this loss and you know style of play and. Uh, Roster construction, etc. I'm more of the opinion that it's not as that it's more who they're doing it with than what they're doing, um, and that uh, yeah. they get get a little better fit than uh, a, a lot of different ways of playing can work as long as you have the the right pieces in the puzzle. Well, and I think that's right too. Uh, you know, I think. Look, Cal style worked great when he had the the players that really you know dominated within it. Um, you know, it, it's fine to play with two big men if you got two great big men who can be really dominant inside, who you can throw it to and, and score, who are uh, you know who are gonna um, you know be a real defensive presence. And it, it'll be it will be interesting from a roster construction standpoint, and also it depends some on who comes back, but. You know, they're, they're bringing in Damian Collins, who's a, a really elite type player, top 10, long, lanky, shot blocking athlete, who I think they could play at the four and has a little bit of offensive skill to do that and play alongside, uh, Oscar, <clears throat> excuse me, Oscar, who's a real sort of traditional center and a bruiser. Um, but it will be interesting. You know, does, does that sort of, does that solve their problems? I don't know. Um, but but Oscar is an unusual guy to get on the transfer market. I mean, he was a McDonald's All American who uh, you know lived up to the hype. He was uh, all, you know All Big Twelve as a freshman. Um, you know, he averages like 16 rebounds per 40 minutes over his uh, college career. Um, he's a formidable guy. Uh, he, he got kind of out of shape, as I understand it, with the pandemic. Came back really out of shape, heavy, almost 265 playing that this year. He, he got a little disgruntled, or at least his folks did, with um, what he thought his role was going to be and what it ended up being. He was sharing uh, sharing the load with uh, Derek Culver, who uh, I think West Virginia decided was the better player and, and rolled with him more and less with Oscar. Um, but make no mistake, I mean, he's a proven high-level, high-major um Big man who's going to be plug and play. He'll be and and the, the the real benefit for them is bring him in now, and he gets the one practice against these guys and toughen up Olivier Saar and Isaiah Jackson and help them in practice, but also get that whole semester to acclimate so that you know maybe next year with so many other guys you'd expect to come back from this year's team and you add a, a proven guy like Oscar who's a college veteran. They're not so young and they're not so panicked. They're not they're not so behind the eight ball for for the first two months of the season. Yeah, the um, opportunity to get him into practice, I think, is uh, meaningful just because he he should be a a player that can play Kentucky's big guys that uh, are not that thick, like Shibuya is, uh, in the way that they're getting played in games. Yeah, I mean, that's a a huge weapon just that, uh, you know, he's going to be probably as good or better than any any big man they're going to see. Uh, the rest of the way, and they're going to see him every day. Um, and so, if you're going to face that style of a, you know, center that's just kind of trying to push you around and bully you, um, 
you know, it's not going to catch you by surprise after a couple weeks of doing that against Oscar uh, in practice every day. So I, I think he's I certainly a value to them this year. And uh, now Kentucky goes to Auburn, and it just feels like this is going to be a year, at least in, in the short term, where, uh, you know, every, almost everything's a must-win until you, you know, unfortunately if you would lose enough times that, uh, you know, you'd be uh, all in on the SEC tournament. They're not quite there yet, but they're certainly moving in that direction. Yeah, as you creep, you know, as you creep toward double digits, you know, once you, I think once they hit ten losses, you know, you're getting to the point of, of really truly must wins every game or else just, as you said, looking at the SEC tournament. I think one thing you got to worry about if you're Kentucky is, you know, do they scrap conference tournaments altogether this year? I think there'll be a lot of people that'll fight for those. That'll, the coaches will want to play them. Uh, but it's something that, you know, could be eliminated to, to try to keep everybody. Because I mean, if you're playing conference tournaments right before you go to this bubbled up, you know, heavy testing NCAA tournament, uh, I'm not sure how the timeline works. Uh, yeah, and if that, it's going to be tough. So I and if you're worried about that, they need, they need to do the damage in the regular season. Yeah, exactly. If that is a something that uh, you think might uh, be possible, then uh, if you could uh, win the find a way to win the regular season title, that would be the uh, the representative to the tournament in, in lieu of a uh, of a conference tournament. Kyle, thanks as always. Yes, thank you. And as Kyle Tucker, you can read him uh, the stories we were talking about at theAthletic dot com. We'll come back and wrap up this edition of the Leach Report in just a moment. This day in Wildcat history, presented by the new Rave On app that you can get in Google or the Google Store or Apple. Uh, it is 2009 on this day. Jody Meeks went for 54 at Tennessee. What an incredible uh, shooting performance that was from Jody. Uh, a couple of Wildcat uh, birthdays. Vernon Hatton, uh, f- former Kentucky Mr. Basketball, and a member of the 1958 National Championship team at Kentucky. And Aaron Boone, who was a great uh, receiver, a JUCO transfer um, l- in the uh, early 2000s. Uh, Aaron Boone uh, celebrating a birthday today as well. Have a good day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow on the Leach Report. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to LeachReport at gmail.com. See you next time.